everybody ash and ty here another episode of journey doses we have a very exciting guest i'm not gonna lie i might be fangirling a little bit it's okay it's fine tyler says he's like too cool for school i'm not i'm well i'm happy to say it um we have ashley here you may know her better as ashley taylor wellness that is her instagram handle and a few others so you may know her better that way and just a quick intro she is an advocate for your right to choose and health freedom She's a certified health coach and a board certified nurse. So I think she knows what she's talking about. Possibly. Yeah. A couple, couple <laughs> things. <laughs> so, um, you know, there may be some, some triggers for people in this episode. There may be some, some things that we say that people get triggered by that they really don't agree with. Um, oh, we're for sure going to trigger people. <laughs> but <laughs> we are sharing one perspective. And what I really love about what you do is that you you make it known that you're not prescribing one way or the right way. You're giving tools, you're giving options. And with that being said, we're going to talk like, you know, you do have your, your nursing background. So we'll get, we'll get a little medical. We'll talk about the state of the world. Um, so let's start with a disclaimer. Sure. So hi, I'm Ashley. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks to both of you for having me. Um, so I always like to let people know I do not give medical advice. I am not you. I don't know what's right for you. I'm very opinionated about different options that exist, some controversial things, but I'm simply sharing what works for me so I can educate you and you can look into if these options might be appropriate. If what you're doing in the conventional system is working for you, keep doing it. If not, I found a different way and I'm just sharing what that is for me, but I don't make any medical recommendations, follow up with a functional medicine doctor. If you're interested in anything I've shared and they can help you come up with the right protocol and plan for you. Beautiful. And I have to also say what I love about the content that you share is that you are willing to kind of lead the fight in a sense, um, or, or lead the parade to use a less aggressive term. <laughs> and it, it, it makes it easy for people who want to follow in those footsteps, but are overwhelmed with what to say or how to say it. And it's so easy to just like, honestly, like reshare or repost what you said. And it's a, it's a very gentle way of, of sharing. You know, if I were to reshare something you've posted, it's a gentle way for me to say, Hey guys, this is what I, this is what I believe in. And here's the, an expert in my opinion, um, who is, Who's saying it quite eloquently. So I really appreciate that you um, lead the parade in that sense. Um, so thanks for the disclaimer. It's good to start off in that way, I think. And a lot of what you talk about is health freedom. And even though that may seem very like an obvious term, I'd love to start by asking you to give some clarity in what you feel that health freedom really means, especially in the state of the world today. Health freedom means that to me, whatever 
is going to be promoting your health and well-being. It's your decision to choose or not choose something, whatever that is. Um, an example is IV ozone. That's something that is not FDA approved. And I still chose to use it. It helped me tremendously, but I don't believe everyone should be forced into it. I don't think it's always appropriate, but I think it can help some people. So I don't, I just believe one size does not fit all. I mean, where is, I mean, I completely agree. It seems so uh, intuitive and obvious, but like, where in the fuck is the disconnect <laughs> here? That like, what, what, what forces are being uh, in the way of this seemingly obvious to you and I choice or right? Well, I believe at the root of it, we've learned to outsource our power from the beginning, from school teacher. Am I doing this right? And it's great to be guided, but we're not taught uh, that they're empowering us. We're taught to be followers, you know, so we've outsourced our information and our news to the media, our health is outsourced to the doctor. We've just completely outsourced our power. So we trust these agencies, CDC, FDA, um, overall, you know, they do a lot to help us, but at the same time, I don't believe that they are the ultimate authority of our bodies and what is right for us. So they can make suggestions based on the data they're collecting, but it's not, you know, a mandate of how everyone must live in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me, like the information is the important thing, the data collection, like for you, you have, you know, you're living in the hospital, you have a great, great uh, opinion based on the things that you've seen. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people trust you. And then you, you share that you're not saying anything about it. It's other than what you're seeing as, you know, your, your subjective um, data collection in a way. And if maybe the government agencies could just be like, Hey, this is what we're seeing. And then not saying, do this, do this, do this, make your own choices. Maybe it would, it would benefit people to have their own self power in a way. Yeah. People don't take an active role in their health because well, it's easier not to, it's easier if it's the doctor's yeah. responsibility. Even yesterday, someone was really upset that I wasn't telling people not to get the thing. And I'm, I'm not here to tell mm. you that, you know, I can't make that decision for you, but in a society where we're used to other people deciding for us, of course, they want someone else to do that. And my role, I believe is to help empower people to say, is this right for me? Not what is, or is not right for you. Yeah. Um, so for the beginning, from the beginning for you, like, where was it? When was it? Was there a specific instance that woke you up to this power that you have? Power in what sense? Meaning like uh, your own right to choose what woke oh, you yeah. up to holistic health? What woke you up to your process? Well, the first time that I started to question those organizations was back when I was a nurse, probably in like 2014. So at a big hospital and, um, there was, a patient who used cannabis to manage their pain from sickle cell anemia. And in the hospital, we give narcotics for that. So they were very honest with us about this. Yeah. This guy was very honest about that. He was using it and he was treated like a, a junkie drug addict, just like the worst person ever. Meanwhile, I have severe PTSD from like some sexual experiences that helped me sleep at night. And, you know, I, I'm supposed to look at this person like they're a terrible person when I know how much it's helped me. Right. Mm. And we don't have enough evidence. There's no accepted medical use for cannabis yet. Another patient right down the hall, I'm giving them Marinol in a pill form, you know, <laughs> to help in increase their appetite. So I just feel as though they're not giving us all the options. They're not giving us all the options. And do we hear about people overdosing from cannabis? Are they just laying in the streets? They're not. So 
<laughs> you know, that was the first moment where I was like, okay, uh, why are they withholding this, this thing that can be helpful? And I'm not saying it's right for everybody. It's not always great for the brain, but is there a time and a place for it? And then I just kept, you know, I went into nursing school because I thought it was the best. I wanted to help people. And then as time went on, my health started to suffer. I work nights. I took, I mean, I was a party girl growing up. I thought I was just having fun, but it was really to, I think, escape from just the deep pain that I had. I hated myself deep down. And, you know, I took Adderall, I took Klonopin. I never questioned these things. I'm like, you know, it, it felt good. I got my job done, but eventually I crashed. Um, my skin was covered in hives, severe depression, brain fog, just, I could barely function. And that's when I had to stop working and really evaluate like everything I was doing for myself, which also made me look at the system I was a part of and say, what are we doing? Can we do better? And I believe we can. Mm. Thank you for sharing all that vulnerability yeah. as well. I mean, that, that's, that's deep stuff. That's heavy stuff. And in my experience, a lot of the hard stuff does propel us in a positive direction if we allow it to. Mm -hmm. um, was there any particular tool, like it, let's say in your, your most difficult moment, um, was there anything that like helped you snap out of that situation or like that one thing that was helping you at the beginning there? Well, it was mostly emotional pain that manifested physically or the ways that I chose to deal with my emotional pain or cope, um, weren't so healthy. So then it affected me physically, but what helped me, I think, um, I had a, an experience when I was about 18 years old. And I willingly went to what I later found out was a psych facility and they kept me there for a suicide hold for three days. I would never hurt myself. The reason I found out when I was checking in, um, I had some shampoo. It was like $60, uh, Kerastase, I think shampoo. And they wanted to keep it. I'm like, Whoa, that's like really nice shampoo. They called <laughs> it emotional rehab. They, they made it sound like it was an emotional rehab. I don't know. I guess I, I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but I thought it would just be, Oh, if I don't like it, I can go. That wasn't the situation. And they wanted to keep my shampoo. And I said, why? And they're like, well, you're here for suicide watch and you might drink it. I'm like, wow. I, I immediately became so angry. I obviously didn't trust the therapist that I'd opened up to that three days was the longest three days of my life. I was like, I said, a party girl. That was the first time it was just me, my feelings and everything like that. And I wasn't ever like overdosing or something like that, that there was no intent for, I would never take my life ever. So I felt angry. I felt betrayed. I felt like I was never going to trust these people again. And I, I just knew that I could do a better job as a nurse than what the care I felt I was receiving. And that was the moment where I'm like, okay, you know, I dropped out of high school. I was still going back to college, but it was really this moment where I had to evaluate which direction I wanted to go. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to become a nurse. And I did. Wow. Mm. Um, I love, I love that background story. Thanks for sharing. And to connect some of the dots, I don't want to assign the term rock bottom to your experience, but um, a lot of people, I think as human beings, we don't push ourselves into making drastic change unless we hit our in quotations, mm -hmm. rock bottom, or we hit a very low, low and of course, it's in, it's inspiring for someone listening to hear your story and to maybe feel motivated and run with it and to fight for freedom of choice and to 
take a step back from what society is telling us and prescribing to us and, and make decisions for ourselves. Um, but not everyone's going to hit a rock bottom. And so then that motivation is not very strong. And I guess what I'm getting to is what would you recommend or, or where, where would you recommend someone starts if they're not at their low, low, but they, you've piqued their interest in some of the things that you've said, and they want to start learning. They want to take that step back and be curious. How, what kind of thought process or tool would you recommend for that? I would say you don't necessarily have to hit a rock bottom, but you do have to have a strong why, a strong motivator, because, you know, let's say you want to lose weight and that's just a classic example, right? And then it's almost like there are two competing voices, your lower self and your higher self. And it's like, okay, you can just eat all that stuff or whatever, you know, whatever you're choosing that's keeping you in a state that you don't want. And it's kind of like, you have to identify which part of you is, you know, communicating, is this my higher or my lower self? And what do I really want? If it's not important to you enough, you're not going to go for it. So something I do with my clients on the first session, we really go into detail about why they want this because their brain will try to keep them in their comfort zone. Their brain will try to keep them safe where it's familiar. And you have to have that that reason why you're going to override that and still go for it anyway. So I think having that motivation and that rock bottom often is a big motivator because I'm like, Whoa, I don't want to end up there again, but you're right. It doesn't have to be that way, but it does tend to wake people up sometimes, you know? Absolutely. And you know, you, you said something that I want to take a tangent on if I can. So you said, you know, with the clients that you work with, so we've obviously acknowledged in our intro, all the, all the things that you do. And, you know, we're talking about how you work in the hospital, but one thing that you, um, that you work through or work on is, uh, a, a lifestyle or holistic coach or health coach. Um, can you talk more about that aspect and how you transitioned from working in the hospital to, to building that side of your, your service and your offering and what that's like for you? Yeah. So this, before I, I always knew I wanted to help people. There's nothing that grosses me out. There's nothing you can tell me where I'm going to judge you. I've taken care of actual murderers, felons. Like, I don't care. I just have empathy. Like, wow. Like what must have happened in that person's life to get them to that point? Obviously I don't support murder, but I can still love a person, even if I don't like their actions. So, um, I obviously got into nursing, but my first degree was in health promotion. And then I didn't know that coaching was a, a industry back then that I could get into. So I thought that, all right, I'll go on to nursing. I'll help people in that way. And I did that for a while, but obviously after my health crisis, and I started doing all these things that I didn't learn about in school that I was told were pseudoscience or whatever. Um, I knew that I wasn't meant to work in the hospital. I knew that. So I left, um, and then in 2019, I opened my LLC in California for coaching and I went to health coach Institute. I loved it because I want to hold space for people. Um, a lot of times in the hospital, we're so busy or we're standing over somebody. You just don't always feel safe opening up. And a lot of the times we already know what to do to be healthy, but there are other reasons why we're not following through. And so that's why I think coaching is so powerful because we can hold space for someone, give them a safe space to, and they often figure out on their own why they're in their own way. 
And so that's the piece that I think we're missing. People often already know they're supposed to sleep and eat healthy foods, but there's a reason why they're not doing it. Is it an emotional piece? Are they coping in some way? Okay. Let's give them some other coping tools, but they're, you can't just take away the thing that makes them feel better because that's not the real problem. In my perspective, the drugs, the food, whatever, it's often uh, a solution for a deeper problem. Let's let's explore that. Now I'm not a therapist, but I can definitely empathize with another human. And that's been really powerful. And I just love it. I know Tyler's perked up by something you said. I already know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're you're definitely speaking my language. Um, but before we get into more of the coaching stuff, because there's Mm -hmm. so many different styles of coaching and and showing up as a guide in some way, but, um, I have clients who are nurses and several clients actually. And I'm just curious for you, how you've remained sensitive to the world of, of being in the hospital, right? Because it, it could be such a traumatic and scary place, life and death, uh, hardship. You're seeing people, you know, at their lowest lows. And in, in my experience of a lot of nurses, it's actually too much for them to handle. And they'll eat, end up being calloused or they'll end up, you know, dropping out. So how did yeah. you remain sensitive and actually present to it and now actually able to you know, be empathetic in your business? Well, I think that's such a great question. Um, before I really understood self-care and boundaries and recharging. And before mm. I got over the belief that rest was somehow lazy, um, I, I did struggle, but I, I was told by my first manager that I cared too much. Bless your heart. You mm. care too much after enough time. You won't care so much. I mean, I fight for every single patient. I had somebody who was a man who was married to a woman. He was cheating on his wife with a man found out he had HIV and his wife was there. It, it doesn't matter. It's not my place to judge. It's obviously a messy situation. I'm still going to be that safe space for that person. I don't know. I just think, I think that experience in the psych facility was so traumatic for me. And I felt so crazy broken that I just needed someone to make me feel like they cared. And so I feel honored to be that person for other people. Um, I work with a therapist. Well, she's really more of a medical intuitive, but I call her a therapist to keep it simple. But sometimes I need to download and process some of the things that I see. And I realize that all I can do is my best for people. So Um, I can, I can meet people where they are. I just, you know, I I don't think I ever cared less. I still care just as much. Now I don't get frustrated with my patients. I told the story yesterday. There was a guy who's like pissing all over people. I'm like, Oh, good morning, (laughs) sir. Like, I just think if some, if a patient is, is awful or hurting or whatever, or they're not nice to you, are they doing it? Like, Oh, I want to ruin this nurse's day. Like they're struggling. They're sick. I don't know what you guys are like when you don't feel well, but I'm not pleasant to be around. So (laughs) I'm just really good at separating it. This person's yeah. hurting. What can I do to help them? And, you know, if it were me, how would I want someone to treat me? And that just makes it really easy. Um, but yeah, I think you need support and ways to manage the stress and the tension. That environment is harder for me physically than it is for me emotionally. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I cry. You know, if I look in patients' eyes, like I connect with them, not like I'm sobbing or anything, but like I'll tear up when I can just see like there's a human in there, you know? Yeah. They're not just a story about compassion there. And, uh, I think we could probably take a a tangent on the lack of compassion in our society, but did you have something? Yeah. I'll just say like at the beginning of my, my training career and working with people on a day-to-day basis, a lot of people in one day, sometime it was exhausting for me at the beginning because I wasn't able to manage, um, my energy in the presence of other people's energy. And that definitely takes time and, and practice and, 
and not to say that I'm not still affected by certain people's energy. If somebody's having a horrible day, it can affect my energy for sure, but I'm more aware of it and I can kind of process that for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a second part of like the coaching aspect, um, you know, I have a style of coaching and, and I'm just curious about like, and I say this as well all the time, it's not about what you know, but it's, it's to the root of what an issue might be. How are you getting in there with people? Like, <laughs> is there a method that you're digging, digging the roots out and, and finding what the, the real issue is? I believe one, it's non like providing a non-judgmental space. And I don't really talk, I don't talk about myself during my coaching calls, but a lot of my clients find me through Instagram and they can mm. see how I, you know, before I was 18, I probably slept with a hundred people. Like I shared this stuff, not to make myself uh, look bad, but just so that I can be like, listen, we all do stuff. It's okay. So I think they see that I can forgive myself and that I'm not judgmental and then they feel safe sharing. And so then if I ask the right questions, then it's kind of like, it gets easier to uncover. So safe space with the right questions gets people to kind of come up with their own answers. I think. What would you say? I, it's probably very specific based on the person and what they're coming to you with. But if you were to try to generalize, what would you say is the ultimate goal, the the, the ending place with, that you want to get to when you're working with these clients or that you hope to guide them to? Well, that's also interesting. A lot of people come with like physical goals. I want to lose weight, things like that. That's not an issue I'm passionate about because I haven't really struggled with it. But what's at the root of that? A lot of people are just wanting to feel good. They want to feel like, uh, what they believe is worthy or they want to love themselves. And if I look good, then I can feel good about myself, something like that. They're also wanting permission, something they can give themselves, you know, to feel good right now. Yeah. It's what the pounds yeah. represent, right? It's what yes. they represent for sure. So self-love and confidence, um, because here's the thing. When I opened my coaching business in 2019, when I, I still doubted myself and I needed to build up the skill of confidence. It is a skill. It's like a muscle. You have to develop it. And I knew a lot of information, but I didn't always have that skill in myself. So that's why, you know, it's been my own journey of finding that when we believe in ourselves and we're living with integrity, it's kind of like things fall into place. So are we taught how to love ourselves? Are we taught time management, just all these life skills, not so much, but when we have those, we can do whatever it is we're going after. So those things are really important to focus on. And where do we learn them? Not school, not, not always parents. So that is also another Mm -hmm. part of life coaching, just helping people remember you're worthy, you're capable. What are you going to commit to and stay consistent with it? And what is on the flip side? Cause you know, self-love and compassion and, um, and self-care and health for, and all these things are very positive and very motivating. And it, it's a goal that we aspire to, but what is your perspective or how do you approach when you're working with clients one-on-one more of the shadow work? So what's coming to mind for me, um, that's come up in, in my field of communication recently is like when people, even for myself personally, is like, I want, what can I do to feel good? Like what feels good? What feels good? And it's always like, we're attached to this idea of wanting to feel good, but what about, or, or what came up is someone saying like, I feel like myself today. And what I offered to this uh, friend of mine is what if we are ourselves every day and accepting the lows, like that the low is a part of us or the shadow Mm -hmm. is a part of us. So anyway, shadow work, what's your perspective on that? We are 
it, that I love that you bring that up because we are multidimensional beings and all of us have what feminine and masculine energy within us. We all have dark and light within us. So I do think that we want to hide from certain parts of ourselves rather than, you know, they're, they're there, they're part of us. And we just suppress something rather than accepting all of who we are. So self-love it's easier to love the things that we like about ourselves (laughs) and that other people value, but honoring all of that, for example, I'm not super proud of a lot of the things I've done in my past, but that is, that is who I am. Those are, well, those are the choices that I made and that's part of my journey. Right. So I had to accept, I couldn't just pretend like those things didn't happen. That's part of me, all of me. And those experiences as less than ideal, there are many more than many more worse rock bottoms, <laughs> but it's okay. You can take that, um, and use it as fuel to, to do something better, to help somebody else, you know, take your pain and use it for good. And that makes it less about me and how you can help somebody else. And then the shame goes out of it. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Reframing your experience to be something beneficial for you. And then even more so for somebody else, like Mm -hmm. whatever the hardship you've gone through, people have certainly gone through. And and Mm -hmm. if you can share and, and relate with people, even just the relating part is a gift for other people. Hey, you've you've experienced what I've experienced. Great. We're together in this. Yeah. It's like Instagram, right? So a lot of people only show the best moments. Yeah. Uh, I show up, I cry sometimes, you know, or I'm really having a bad day or I'm struggling with this, not to dump on people, but just to show that it isn't all sunshine and roses and that's okay. That's beautiful. That's part of the human experience. And we want to live in this fantasy land rather than, you know, it's okay that we have all of these different experiences. They help us grow. And so the way that I see you is I see you as thriving in your passion and your purpose, the way that you show up so authentically that you are again, leading this parade. And you've talked about a lot of things that you've experienced in the past. And you've talked about your vulnerability today, but I would love if you, if you're willing to share um, a little bit about some of the shadows or the low moments that you feel in this moment today, in this, in this moment and in our culture today, today. Okay. Well, um, you know, I struggle a lot with nursing and sometimes I struggle a lot with, am I, why can't I just be like everybody else? Why can't I just take the thing? And, and I have to really look within and ask myself at the end of my life, I believe I'll be in front of God or whatever that means and have to look back and say, how did I live my life? But sometimes I question things and, you know, I get scared about, I mean, just yesterday, I had an offer for a job. That's what 16,000 a month. Like I'm, I get scared what's going to happen. And I put on a strong face a lot of the times, but yeah, it is scary. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I still have 60,000 in student loans. And, you know, so I'm a human who's dealing with all that, but at the same time, my faith overrides all that. Uh, so it is a roller coaster. I have moments where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then I just have to ask myself that I might come, I might be presented with challenges, but I, the core value for me is integrity. So whenever I feel that way, I just ask myself, am I living with integrity? Is this choice made from that place? If not, then I know what I have to do. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's easy to say yes to money. It's easy to say yes to the things that are presented to us, which um, are similar to the same things presented to everybody. But when you're operating in this way of life where the choices are hard and you have to step away from easy money or make your own path. It's, it's difficult. It's mm-hmm. regularly difficult. 
And you have to continue to remind yourself of the why, like you said, the, the value of integrity and, and staying true to yourself. Because if you're not reminding yourself of that regularly, fuck, that, that, that money will present itself. The temptation will present itself. It's not easy. Yeah. You uh, mentioned one word that, I mean, I've got so many other questions. I, I'm watching the time. I'm like, okay, we are getting through so much. I love it. Um, but you, I'm going to take a tangent that I wasn't foreseeing, but you use the word faith. And um, Tyler and I have talked a little bit about faith in regards to, if I can share um, a, a fear of death. And I think sometimes when people have faith and this can look different faith can look different the root of it but let's just say example faith in the fact that heaven exists or that there that that afterlife exists gives people peace of mind in regards to a fear of death anyways this is a conversation him and i have had so mm -hmm. that when you use the word faith it piqued my interest and my question is what faith do you have and how have you wrapped around like how have you lassoed that and pulled that in Oh, this is a, a fun topic because I went to Catholic school where everything was a rule. And so I just became a professional rule breaker. I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to wear makeup or do this. So I learned how <laughs> to break the rules and do it well. So, um, but I didn't believe in God. I wanted to, um, it, it was like Santa to me and like everybody else believes that I know I'm supposed to believe, but I just don't. My family had kind of an interesting situation, but I lived with my grandmother and she was very Catholic, very opinionated, but never forced her beliefs on me at all. And that's, I think that's where I learned that because she was very uh, against abortion and had signs, but it, she knew my friends had them and never judged them and always was like so loving. So she's an amazing role model. And I knew I was supposed to believe that, but I didn't in eighth grade, I was supposed to get confirmed. And she said, I respect your choice to not proceed with this if it's not right for you. And she just said, she, she handed it over to God and said, Ashley, we'll, we'll find her path when it's right for her. So she just loved me unconditionally. And I so appreciate that, but time went on and without faith, without, I was spiritually dead, hundred percent spiritually dead until I was 28. I'm 33. Now, um, I was so depressed, so sick, so inflamed by myself in California. I was sitting in a car and I just prayed and I'm like, okay, God universe. I don't know if you're there, but if you are show me and they say, God won't give you more than you can handle. I don't know how much more I can handle. Like I was so overwhelmed shortly after, um, I met my boyfriend and he helped me so much and has just been such an amazing partner for me. And a lot changed in my life. So I never asked for, for guidance. I was never yeah, asking. So I didn't get the answers that I needed. But once I started to pray and then really explore spirituality feels more in alignment than religious beliefs. I don't, I don't ever see myself going to church. I also had, you know, a, a priest that wasn't exactly who he claimed to be. We later found out about money things. So I don't know, my faith is between myself and God, and I don't need a clergyman or someone else to validate that. But yeah, it's a huge part of my life today before it felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And now I realize it may not make sense in this moment, but you know, if I'm shown, or if I pray for guidance, I will be guided. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That definitely hit home for me. Um, yeah. Ashley was very gentle in, in expressing like <laughs> what I've been going through, but yeah, it's been a it's been a hard two weeks for me, actually, specifically in regards to life and death uh, with the passing of Ashley's brother. Mm -hmm. It's really brought a lot of those deep fears out for me. And what I'm looking for is what you're describing in some way. And I trust that it'll arise. And it, yes, yeah, it's, it's been hard. 
as you described, like it, it takes a, a difficult time and the signs are not always clear, mm-hmm. but, but they show themselves as you're, if you're open to them. If you're open and that's the thing, nobody could have told me, no one could have forced me. It was something that I'm very stubborn. And the more you try to get me to do something, it's just not, it's (laughs) not going to work, but yeah, in my own time. And once that pressure went away, I felt safe exploring and maybe in a different way than how I was taught. Um, It Mm. never felt like me to sing these songs at church and then, you know, people go do cocaine and then they go to church the next day. I just, (laughs) it felt so inauthentic, you know, I'm like, so we're just supposed to pretend that we don't do stuff, but then when we go to church, yeah. but then we do it. it. That's the part I struggled with. The people yeah. that were religious also were some of the most judgmental people. Like I said, it's not a secret that I was a party girl. I sought love in all the wrong places. And I felt the most judged by the people who were religious. So I wasn't feeling safe to, oh, I'd love to come to church. No, thanks. Because I felt like terrible about myself. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I went to Catholic high school as well and was raised Catholic, baptized Catholic, attempted to be confirmed as well, but bailed out of that. And yeah, it's amazing how you could be raised your whole life going through a situation or circumstance where that's presented to you and just not feel it at all. It's really not, not what it's about. Yeah. Now we took a fun tangent. I don't have anywhere else to go with that. So I'm going to loop it back to the circle. Um, One question that I have that um, I think relates to conversation we were having prior it and something I've heard you talk about is it is building a healthy foundation. So what are some protocols that you use for living a healthy lifestyle and what does balance look like for you thinking about the, the 80, 20 rule, for example, and I'm sure whatever it is that you experience leaks into, you know, the one-on-one work, but how do you balance? That's a great question. So I don't think true perfect balance exists. I think that's something that we strive for and then we're disappointed. And then, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist, all or nothing tendencies. (laughs) I go balls to the wall or I don't do it at all. Um, So I do think that rather than focusing on always having balance, more like nurturing the imbalances. Okay. Where am I really deficient in my life? I don't know if you guys have ever seen the wellness wheel. Uh, That's something I learned about 10 years ago in my health promotion degree. And then also we use something similar in coaching uh, the program I did. And it's basically a wheel looking at each area of your life. You have, you're more than just the physical. That's a very important part of who we are, but we have emotional needs, uh, social needs, spiritual needs, financial, like we need to live our purpose. So if you can check in with yourself, that's an exercise that I do with clients, but we look at how are you meeting or showing up in all of these areas of your life? And then we can kind of fill in the gaps a little bit, but I don't believe in striving for perfection anymore. Um, I do believe in small, small, consistent changes. And then what feels like if you go from McDonald's to green juice overnight, you're your body's going to be like, no way, this is too much. This is a shock. So, okay. Instead of McDonald's, maybe you could make your burger at home or something like that, like little, little changes so that it feels doable. Otherwise people's nervous systems, you know, can freak out and then they don't do it at all. So I would say, um, what those foundational pieces are definitely sleep movement and hydration physically. But for me, a big piece of it was having fun and enjoying my life and living my purpose. When I was just going through the motions, it's like something's missing and that will eventually affect your health. I feel. So what do you do? Um, what does your lifestyle look like? Or what does your thought process look like on those days where, you know, I don't know if you, if you drink at all, but let's say most of the time you don't drink, 
you can tell me if this is true or not. And then, yeah. you know, it's, it's labor day and you're hanging out with a family and you allow yourself to have, um, you know, a, a, a couple glasses of wine or something like that. What's, what's the thought process going on in your head? Like, okay, I know that these onion rings and these three glasses of red wine, you know, maybe they'll set me back in the, in these things, but it's okay. I'm allowed to have this day. I mean, curious around that. Yeah. So I definitely was on the other side of the spectrum where I wouldn't go to a restaurant. I wouldn't do anything (laughs) that wasn't healthy, but I was, I was miserable. I was just like, okay, I'm just, here's another day. I'm sitting at home again. Like it was, I wasn't living my life. Um, and I actually had a therapist when I was in college and she said, I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, like chain smoker. I was down to three cigarettes and I was so stressed out about it. The truth is side note, I was really just addicted to being stressed, but she said Mm. that those, like, it was just a, uh, the state that I knew to be in. And I always kind of created chaos and that's, you know, another thing, but she said those three cigarettes that you're smoking, um, the stress that I'm putting on myself is probably worse than those three cigarettes. And I was like, Oh, so I don't have, like, it wasn't good enough. If it wasn't perfect. See what I'm saying? So actually yesterday was labor day. I did go out. I cook a lot of my food at home. I went out with my friends and you know, I do, I do drink occasionally. Now, what can I do to support my body? I'll take things like vitamin C, um, glutathione's and coffee enemas. So I did one of those this morning and I always feel like so much more clear headed after that. I make sure I'm properly hydrated, the quality of what I'm drinking. You know, I'm not going to have like a dark liquor, sugary drink, and then think that I'm going to feel good. So what's the healthiest way for me to enjoy myself? but I'm still going to let myself enjoy myself because deprivation and stress and feeling guilty, that's still creating a chemical response in the body that isn't good. So, uh, do the pros outweigh the cons rather than is this good or bad? How can I, you know, have it, if you're doing it every day, that's not going to serve you, but yes, uh, when you do it, enjoy every second of it. And then say, what else can I do to support my body? If this is what I'm going to choose. Absolutely. And just to add to that, it's, it's definitely relative. Tyler likes to say he's 80, 20, but I'm like, you're more like 95, five. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But in that 5%, yeah. it's, it's a hard 5%. Like yeah. I get it done in that 5%. But, um, I was going to say, oh, so like in regards to those times though, um, so much of like just socializing <laughs> comes with the unhealthiness. Right. And to me, and maybe for you or not that community like more likely than not, you're going to have, you're not going to have a a ton of people that are living exactly the way you are. And it's worth it to sacrifice some of that for the social aspect of it, to to feel like you're a part of community. Totally. And, you know, last year I did isolate myself from a lot of people who were different because I still, I, based on where I was on my journey, I wasn't quite ready to be around. It challenged me too much to be around people that were too different. I'm just being honest with you. Cause I was very fragile and, you know, I was stopping cannabis and just having a lot of things come up. So it was okay that I distanced myself. But then as I started to get stronger, I'm like, okay, it's good for me to be around people who live differently. And just because someone else lives a different lifestyle, doesn't mean that, that I can't do what's right for me. I also think we're the average of the five people we spend the most time around, but yeah, I can have friends from all walks of life because, you know, it did feel a little bit like an echo chamber. Um, and so when I started over, I, my friends were my family growing up. I was, had a huge social life. I had a lot of fun too, but then when I came to California, I didn't know anybody. And so my social circle got very small and the people, and, but it was beautiful because that's when I got to look within and really evaluate everything that I was doing, how I treated myself, how I treated others just started over. And now the friends that I have, um, 
like the girlfriend that I went out to dinner with, we went with our boyfriends too. Sometimes we do Zumba together. Sometimes we cook together and we have wine and we'll get dry farm wines or something like that. Um, So I do think I can still have fun with my healthy friends and, you know, we have like a dance party at our house while we're cooking. So it's still healthy and fun, but you got to have fun. You got to have community. It's, it's not, I actually learned that fun was something not, it wasn't a priority. Like I kind of had to feel guilty about it. And then I realized when I have more fun, I kick ass at everything else I'm doing. Cause I just have this, like, you know, this good energy. Yeah. So I think fun's part of success, not something that takes away from it. Total. I mean, if you can have fun doing what your purpose is too, Woo. Yeah. Shit, like that, that's it right there. How much fun am I having at the hospital? Not much. And in coaching, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can make this stuff fun. So people actually are engaged, you know, it's, you can teach somebody something, but if your style is just so flat, you know, and unrelatable, that, yeah, not that's engaged. kind of my problem with therapy, like the traditional therapy, like how fun is it to just sit on a couch and be like <laughs> penetrated with questions, you know, for an hour, it's like, let's get the body moving. Like if I could combine like ecstatic dance, coaching session, meditation, microdosing all at the same time. That sounds like fun to me. I would want to process things that way. Hell yeah. (laughs) So I heard you say hospital and if I can, I will shift the conversation. No, you can't. You can't. (laughs) No. Okay. Um, I'd love to shift the conversation, uh, back to health freedom, uh, which is where we started. And, and I know that there's a huge topic that we can dive into with you. Before we do that, because I think once we do, there'll be tangent, tangent, tangent. I want to ask a, a different question. Do you have, or what are your thoughts on the new abortion law that was passed in Texas, what that means for the rest of America, and how it relates to the current climate? <laughs> okay. So my understanding is that they passed a law that you can't have an abortion after six weeks. Is that correct? That's what I understand as well. Okay. Um, so abortion is not something that I personally support. It's not something I've done. I know many people that have done it and it was a really hard choice for them. Um, it's, it's not something I personally support. However, I believe that that is not my place to judge and that God will, will handle that. So I can not support someone's choices and still love them as a person. It's not my place to tell you what's right. Uh, there could be many reasons why, but I also have to say that I, you know, never wanted to get pregnant myself. My mom was 17 when she had me. And there was a time in my life where I absolutely would have made that decision if that were the situation I was in. So what I would say though, is uh, plan B. Why aren't we talking about that? When I was younger, you had three days. Now it's five days. So God forbid you are raped. It, that's so traumatic. And unless you're kept in someone's basement and you can't get out, I, I do think we should be promoting that as it's, it's gotta be very traumatic to go through an abortion. So I'd love to see people utilizing that tool. I don't believe in taking away someone's right to do something, even if I would never do it myself. Um, I know a lot of people feel that I should you know, advocate for those children, but there, it's just not my place to tell people what's right for them. Even if I disagree, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. What I really appreciate about what you've said in that, from what I hear is that you can have an opinion for yourself, for Mm -hmm. the, for the choices you might make, but that doesn't have to translate into judgment. And as someone who serves in healthcare, that doesn't have to translate into action. 
And just to extract that and pull that out, I think that's something we need more of in this world. There's, there's, there's a, there is healthy debate. There is healthy argument. And I believe what creates healthy debate and argument is, is compassion, understanding, and, and, and recognizing the difference between opinions and judgment and, and being, being open to listening and hearing and knowing that your life experience is different from my life experience. What, what I've, what I've come to know is true for me is not going to be the same for everyone else. And so what's the, you know, I think we as a collective can, can be served by working on and learning communication styles where we can healthy, healthy in a healthy way and a respectful way say to someone, this is my opinion. This is, this is what I would choose for me. However, I allow you space to make the choice that's right for you. Yes. So that's what I want to see. Yeah. Ashley, what do you think causes or is a big part of like the polarity? Like, why is, why is everything so combative now? People have, you know, we are who we are and we defend what we believe in or what we know to be true. It's really challenging. I mean, I've, to be honest, been a conspiracy theorist. I say that in air quotes since 2008, just somebody who was willing to ask questions and look at things a little differently. Um, I didn't grow up like most people. I didn't grow up with a mom and a dad. The people that I lived with weren't officially my parents. It was very confusing. So I started asking questions about why we do things at a very young age. You know, it's not like I had this cushy life and then I just accepted that's the way things were from the moment as early as I can remember, I've always been questioning things and lived in different people's houses. I pretty much lived with a lot of my friends growing up and saw how different families did things. So it's been easy for me to question like, oh, it's interesting. They do it that way. They do it that way. And I've always just remained curious, but I think it's a safety issue for a lot of people. For example, doctors and nurses, we pay, we spend all this energy getting into healthcare to help people. And you have all these student loans. And then if you find out that these organizations may like there's stuff allowed in our food, that's not allowed in other countries. If you have ever been to a hospital and you see the food that we have, you're like, Oh, that's, that's healthy. Okay. So we defend this system. I think a lot of the times, because we don't have, we haven't seen anything that makes us question it, or possibly if, if the career we've committed to, isn't what we think it is, well, how are we going to pay that, you know, hundred, $200,000 back? You know, it's survival. It's self-preservation. I don't think people are bad, but like I even that same manager who told me I cared too much. She's like, what you think? I'm just going to like, I was very upset about the patient with sickle cell anemia and how the doctor wouldn't, you know, help them. And I wrote a note about it and she, um, she just said, okay, well, we all know the system needs some work, but what am I just going to like, go get a new career or something like that? I'm tired. I don't want to start over. Well, I think a lot of people are tired and don't want to start over, especially I don't see people thriving in the hospital system. So much pizza, so much processed food, donuts, and those things are great every once in a while, but it's not when it's a hundred zero, not when that's like the majority of what you consume. So I just think people are tired. They're burnt out. Their entire well-being depends on one version of the story being true. And I think it's hard to go there. I think it's hard to ask these questions because then maybe you don't have all the answers. But when I had my health crisis, I realized, and it was a scary, 
ego, you know, my ego was freaking out. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. I went to the best nursing school I could. I'm, you know, I'm the best. And I don't know the answers like, damn, I had to check myself and realize maybe I don't know as much as I think that I do. And that was, that's not easy to acknowledge that, especially if society is putting you up on a pedestal feels pretty good to have everyone say, you're such a hero and you're, you're the best thing in the world. Like a lot of people <laughs> don't want to give that up. That yeah. system gives them, in my opinion, safety sometimes. Totally. Yeah. And the attachment, like if you're going to put that much energy and money into med school or nursing school, there's an attachment there for sure. Yeah, it means a lot sure. to you. Right. Um, but a, a kind of another question in regards to where you are in nursing in a hospital setting and something I've gone back and forth with myself is, is, is it more beneficial to be the light in the dark for you or to be out in the light on your own? I think that's a great question that I've considered myself. My answer now is to be a light in the world because that light, my light is so dimmed in the hospital and my potential. Yes. I'm helping people in a broken system, but the amount of people that I can inspire to turn their light on when I'm in this other path. I mean, it's easy for me to see that's the right choice for me. Um, so yeah. That's my answer. <laughs> and on that, we, I've seen you talk a little bit about the the requirements um, in the hospital in a lot of hospitals all over the country right now. Um, I'm challenging myself to speak in code like you do on Instagram because I don't <laughs> I, I don't know how Spotify works with this. So speaking in code in regards to the needle, I don't know if that's code enough, but we'll go with that. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of regulation and require starting to require that. So you may be experiencing a shift in how you make money, how you work on a day to day. Um, and now I've distracted myself so much with my code language. I don't know where I was going with that, but um, sure. <laughs> you, can you pick up from there? No, I have no idea where she was going. With where that. was I going with that? Um, well, let's just talk about your perspective. What um, when everything hit in the beginning? what was your journey like as you were learning about what was going on alongside the rest of the world? Mm -hmm. And okay. it's a big question from that to a full circle of where you are now, where you are about to potentially make a big shift in your career because of their requirements. We'll go yeah. with that. Okay. So like I said, I started my coaching business in 2019 and I was done with the hospital. I was, as far as I was concerned, I was never going to go back, but what do they say on TV? The hospitals are overwhelmed. It's a situation. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to go, but if people really need someone, I'm going to go. So it was May of 2020. I messaged my recruiter. I was in the Los Angeles area and I literally quote, he said, it is dry as a bone. And that was the first <laughs> moment where I'm like, well, that's definitely not what the TV is saying. What's really going on. California started to get probably it. We were wanting auto and I were wanting to leave before this happened. We were planning on going to Spain. Obviously that didn't happen. So we're like, all right, let's leave California. Let's go to Arizona. So we moved here uh, last summer and then I was able to get a position. They reached out to me and they said they needed help. So I said, okay, I went back to work in December of 2020. Cause I needed to see for myself what was going on. You know, so many people were saying it wasn't real and it was just the same thing as the flu. I just needed to see for myself. I definitely don't trust the media. And I'm really glad that I did go back. Who was really getting sick? Is it really people just like me? Like what's going on? So I went back in December, which is a time of the year where it's busy anyway. It's flu season. We all know that it's not a conspiracy theory. So around November to February, it does get busier. We know this. And it was just like, it was very busy. It was different because pretty much 
the whole, you know, we, everyone has to wear masks all the time. We have to wear a lot of the, the PPE and all that. That's fine. Um, and that was plenty to protect me because to this day, I still have not gotten sick with the thing. I haven't had a, you know, what for the flu since 2015, I haven't had the flu. So is that the only way to be healthy? I don't believe the answer is yes. I think that there are other ways we can support our health. No one's telling you, you can't do it, but in the past, the patients that wanted it, got it. The patients that didn't, did it. And if you didn't get your flu shot and your, your thing, and you were hospitalized, we never withheld care. We never shamed you and said you were what's wrong with the whole world. We were like, Oh, that wasn't the right choice for them. What can we do to help them? We didn't even consider that we've never used people's choices as a way to deem them somehow not worthy of care. So I went back, but in February, they canceled my contract. I've done contracts as a nurse since 2016. This has never happened before. So I was surprised at the busiest time of all, at the peak of everything before people were mass, you, you know, what it, oh, they're sending about 15 of us, you know, home early. They're canceling our contracts. Well, okay. This is great news then. So people are getting better without the mass public having these things. And now we have more and more of those things. Um, so this summer is crazy busy. So I didn't work until June of this year because it, it wasn't that busy. It started to pick up. It's unusual for it to be this busy. And some of the patients that I have that have this illness did get their, you know what? And some of them didn't, but I'll tell you some trends that I see definitely BMI is over 30. Okay. Maybe mm. they're bodybuilders. That's not who I'm seeing though. That's not who I'm seeing, uh, dietary choices that I wouldn't make on, you know, one of my, the 80, 20 rule, I wouldn't make. I wouldn't choose Mountain Dew anyway. Like there's a healthier version of soda if I want soda, but just poor quality foods. And, you know, we're calling people perfectly healthy, but I'm like, are they perfectly healthy? Not by my standards, but perhaps the hospital system has a different set of standards for perfectly healthy, you know? So yeah, now uh, it is a requirement to get the thing on November 1st where I work. Meanwhile, it's so busy. Like I said, this is not usually our busy season. I have been called in many times on my days off to come in because they need help. And we already know that medical errors are one of the leading causes of death in this country. It's not a conspiracy theory. We learned that in nursing school. So what does a nursing shortage, an exacerbated uh, nursing shortage, what is that going to do to the quality of patient care and outcomes when it's already so busy? I just don't know that it's a good idea to let all these nurses go who aren't getting sick from their patients who are more than happy to wear the PPE. It was certainly good enough up until this point, but it's not anymore. So I'm very concerned for what's going to happen to the patients in that system and who's going to be left there because a lot of the people advocating for the patient's right to choose and not judge them, whether they made the right choices or not, won't be allowed to stay. And I'm concerned for what that culture is going to look like shortly. Do you know, um, so much to go off of with what you just shared. Thank you for tackling my big, almost confusing question. Um, So first, just real quick, like numbers wise, do you know, or what in your personal opinion, with your experience of who you know in the workplace, what the percentage of nurses that may leave once this requirement goes into place? Do you have any best guesses on that? So that's a really good question at work. I am a a different version of myself. I obviously don't share where I work. Um, I don't talk about this stuff at work. I simply observe other people. I do think that there is one accepted belief that you get this without any question, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I overhear nurses talking and there was one back. This was in, I think, December, she was about 50 years old. She got it. And she said, if I were in my thirties, there's no way I'd feel comfortable with this. 
Um, and then when one nurse says that, and it, it's like safe to open that conversation up, then a lot of others join. So I don't actually claim to know the percentage. It does feel like it's around 30 to 40%, but I'm not claiming that's true. Now, how many of those nurses will leave though? Because if you didn't see this coming and you don't have another way to take care of yourself, it's like poverty or take my chances with this thing. Are people getting it for health or because they're afraid that they're going to lose their job? I just think you should take it because it's the right decision for your health, not as like some form of, you know, coercion so that you can keep your job. (laughs) That's the real bummer part about it. Like it's supposed to make us healthier and make our lives easier. (laughs) It's making so many people's lives more difficult. What do you think about the shame aspect? So for me personally, my biggest, one of my biggest problems is propaganda or content like that I've heard on the radio or that people will post on their social accounts, blaming people who have not got the thing to be the problem. Like it's, again, it goes back to this conversation of like, you can have your opinion and there's a difference between that and casting judgment and this, this shame game. I mean, what do you think about that? I can't give you an illness. I don't have. So if I have, if I'm sick, I give you my word, I will stay home. But is, is the new assumption that every, we just assume everyone's a walking leper. Is that, is that what we're going to do from now on? What about, uh, innocent until proven guilty, healthy until proven sick, you know, or I guess we're just supposed to assume everyone is unhealthy, but obviously this is affecting people, suicides, overdoses, mental health issues. People, you know, last year didn't get a lot of treatment because they were afraid to go to the doctor's office. There's a lot of collateral damage and people aren't talking about it. So I think if that's the right choice for you, do it. It is bananas to me that they want to require just all the places where they want to enforce something like this. And people say, well, we've required it before. First of all, uh, not for places like restaurants, not for not to be able to go get your groceries or things like that. And I do think they're going to try to make people's lives very difficult, but why haven't I gotten sick? Is it just a miracle? And the other day someone said to me, uh, well, not to me, they were talking, they said, yeah, all these chicks who don't want to get it because of infertility reasons, well, they're going to be dead anyway. And it's just like, that's the, that's the belief there. Whoa. If you don't get it, you're going to be dead. I'm like, okay, well, mm. I'm still here, you know, and I'm not, if I did get sick, the hospital's not where I would go anyway. You know, if, unless I truly was on my way out or something like that, there are a lot of options that we're not giving in the hospital that I would choose. I'm not saying other people need to do them, but perhaps there's a whole other model of healthcare and we're just not even told that it's available or what we hear about it is that it's wrong. It's, it's, you know, not helpful and it's dangerous, but like, why, why am I thriving? Why am I thriving? So what is the model for you? Let's say ideal model, boom, somebody contracts the illness. What does Ashley recommend? Okay. So what I would do if I got it, I would go to my doctor's office. She's not afraid of me, if I'm sick, I would be in my own room and I would do IV ozone, which is amazing for inflammation and infection. Um, there are medications that, you know, there's one that starts with an I that's very controversial right now. And that's something that my doctor's belief is that this illness triggers co-infections in people. So if you already have 
a parasite infection or something like that. Like it's almost like our, our body's a bucket. And if that bucket gets full, then all these issues present. So that can, it's not like the main treatment, but it can be helpful for some people. That's my understanding of it. Vitamin C, um, I don't know much about the, the monoclonal antibodies, but in the hospital, these are things that we do that you can do outpatient. So we have people proning, which is when they lay on their stomach and it helps expand their lungs, uh, an incentive spirometer. What happens to a lot of people is they're not taking deep breaths. You know, they're sitting kind of hunched over in a hospital bed. And when you take deep breaths and use the, the bases of your lungs, it helps prevent pneumonia. It gets you more oxygen in there. And if you are an oxygen, it helps you get off sooner. And then what else? Um, yeah, we do oxygen and steroids, but you can do those things outpatient as well. I just feel like the hospital isn't the most healing environment for me. And I do believe that if I did get sick, I would be able to manage it outpatient. If that ever happens, I guess I'll keep you in the loop about what happens. There is a time and a place for the hospital, but I do think that a lot of people seek emergency services because they're not informed about other types of care. For me, it's all about getting to the root cause. So that naturopathic doctors do that functional medicine doctors do that. But another thing I would look at is, are any of my organs being affected? So, um, how are my, how's my liver doing? Do I need liver support? You know, whatever I would want to get an assessment about what's going on in my body and figure out how to support each organ. So my body is more efficient at dealing with whatever's coming its way. I also don't believe in medicating fevers quite like with the parameters of what we use in the hospital. I do not take Tylenol pretty much ever. Um, I would let myself get a fever up to about a hundred four, you know, before I would be really concerned just because that's what, why do we have a fever in the first place? It's our body having a response to try to make it an inhospitable environment to this pathogen. Yeah. We feel like shit, but that's because how do you think it feels for the pathogen? It's our body. Our bodies are so amazing, but what do we do? We stop that process. We take the Tylenol, the fever's gone, looks great on paper, but like, why was your body trying to have a fever in the first place? Does it do something beneficial? So yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. There's preliminary research, I think with the sauna use and the virus as well, basically just cooking it out. And Joe Rogan talks about this all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I appreciate all the detail with that. And so I think that's, I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, I'm looking at time and trying to decide exactly where I want to go and get juice the most out of you girl. Um, okay. So really quick, you know, you've used, I just want to address this for uh, for your sake and just out of curiosity, you have used the, you know, and you've put in quotations for people who can't see the term like conspiracy or conspiracy theorist. You have been, um, people have called you that. This is what I've seen you share. And okay, so first I just want to say, from my perspective, I believe that the term conspiracy or conspiracy theorist exists as a way to instill fear around some concept and make it seem so unbelievable that it just can't be possibly true. So first curious your, your feelings when that comes up in your world, when someone tries to give you that label, and then for lack of a better word, what is what people claim a conspiracy? What is one conspiracy in quotations that, um, you've learned about that you think that there is some truth to that you want to kind of spread the word on? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I don't see it as an insult if people call me conspiracy theorist. Uh, my friend, Jackie, her name is uh, the real raising cubs on Instagram, but she made a t-shirt line conspiracy realist. Um, mm. I actually like to think of myself as a critical thinker. Um, and I use that interchangeably with conspiracy theorist. 
um, Luke's story. I don't know if you guys know him, but he calls himself a conspiracy analyst. So I don't come up with theories. I just, I just look at all the information and I ask questions, you know, what is one, gosh, I don't even know where to start. That's such a good question. Well, I definitely, I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory, but one, um, the Denver airport a few years ago, there's something just like spooky about that place. And then you can go down the rabbit hole, like the artwork and all the things that they have there. But, um, I do, and they actually jokingly have like Illuminati symbols in there because it was such a a big theory. You know, they're like, we're watching you. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Mm -mm. Um, and a lot of people believe there's a lot more underneath there. So I started looking at mainstream, not conspiracy theory, just like travel channels on YouTube, Google underground cities. There are these amazing complex underground cities, hydroponic systems. Like it is mind blowing that people don't know these exist in the U S all over. And when you see that technology and how developed this is like, there's so much more going on that we just don't know about. Um, so yeah, I think there's a whole economy world, everything underneath us. I really do. And they're so focused on us getting, looking in outer space. Maybe there, we need to be looking in the other direction. So that's wow. one. <laughs> that's actually, I knew absolutely nothing about that, like at all. So that you're completely opening my eyes to it. Yeah. Chris. Which is so cool. Who's down yeah. there? Who's working there? I don't know anybody that goes, is it military people? Like, and so yeah. I'm happy to send you guys this clip. It's like four minutes and it's just like the top 10 underground cities. And it's, it's yeah. like a, you know, verified public channels. Like, whoa. That's wild. <laughs> Please send it. I definitely want to see it. And I want to plug real quick uh, a friend of Tyler's and of ours. His name's Matt Putz. And I'm just going to put him in real quick for your curiosity or anyone <laughs> listening. Um, he's pretty amazing. He's a special human. His Instagram today, handle actually. is uh, Better Butts by Putz. We'll send him to you. Okay. Um, but if you're ever looking to listen to someone who goes deep, deep down the rabbit hole, he'll just like you like craziness anyways so it's it's really um eye-opening entertaining you know big spectrum things to listen to him so i gotta plug him real quick i wanted to speak to yeah segue into the the uniting critical thinkers telegram channel that you have um how in the hell do you stay up with your reels and instagram and now you're on tiktok and you're doing the telegram channel like it's just you're on it all the time there's yeah (laughs) how do you manage that for yourself uh it doesn't even feel like work it doesn't even feel like work even when I was a little kid there's a picture of me in a car I'm like five and my aunt drew a bubble and it says I never stopped talking like I have always suppressed I know another Ashley like that you do (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I've always suppressed that part of myself it's like just it's just natural for me to to share and to talk about stuff like I just there's a lot going on up here, probably to the point where I need to balance it a little bit, but a lot of the things that I post on telegram, people send to me. So it's not like I'm constantly researching. Um, people are sending me stuff on Instagram and if five people send me the same video, I'm going to post it on telegram. So I can't watch everything. So anytime I get something, I just send it there. And then if enough people comment on it on telegram, I'm like, Oh, maybe I should watch it. Um, I do a lot of batching content. And when I have more on my plate, I get more done. I manage my time. Well, cause I know I've only got you know, these days off reels are so fun. So what I do is I go to (laughs) this workout class and it's like a six-year-old lady and she plays like all these fun songs and I'll like sound hound or Shazam. And I'm like, Ooh, that could be a real, that could be a real. So I just listen to like catchy fun songs. I'm like, what could I put with that? Those are easy for me. Like just pop those out. 
Um, and then, you know, content creating, I didn't really make posts for a year. Cause I was, I was so worried. What if it wasn't perfect or if I didn't like it or whatever, and I'm just like, screw it. You know, who, who cares just, and, and now I just have fun with it. Uh, if I have an idea, I write it down. I have like a Google doc and yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's time consuming. I just feel like if I think of something, I share it and then go on with my life. But I try to be very mindful if I'm around other people, I don't have my phone out because I want to be present with other people. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. Um, I only subscribe to two telegram channels and it's yours and Luke's stories actually between the <laughs> well, two. Thank of you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Between the two of you, I get everything I need. Was that you fangirling? I'm not sure. Tyler. <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe, <laughs> um, but awesome. yeah, it's other people too. And like, there's a group where other people can share stuff. Cause I don't claim to have all the answers. I'm just someone who's going to ask questions and I love to hear what other people say. Um, and you know, I also want to start a podcast and have other people tell their stories because reading mm. about something in a book is not the same as hearing it from a person and making that connection. And I think if we can tell more stories about why people, doctors, nurses, in particular, but just people in general, why they left the conventional model yeah, and what they saw or what they experienced that made them say, Hey, is there more out there that I think is going to open a lot of people's minds up? Cause we're not trying to take down that system. We just want to invite people to look at things differently and say, Hey, maybe if that's not working for you, you have more options. Yeah, exactly. Like just expose alternate tools Give, give people more tools in their tool belt, give them more options because what works for me may not work for you, but to expose people and to open a channel of, of education for people to learn uh, about other tools and other ways of thinking and, and working with these things. And so I'm excited to hear that you're going to start a podcast. Very curious. Do you have any like ETA for when that comes together? Yes. Yeah, so I picked out a name. It's going to be the high maintenance hippie podcast. It was oh, going to yeah. be it was going to be critical thinkers unite, but I think critical thinking is too, too risky of a title right now. So <laughs> high maintenance hippie, because that is hippie to me that involves health and freedom and loving people that are different and high maintenance. You know, I, I mean, if I had a child, I would probably like cloth diaper and I would be like the crunchiest person, but I also like <laughs> getting, you know, I have hair extensions and I like looking a certain way. You don't have to wear rope shoes. You know, if you want to be a hippie, there's no rules. Like we're so boxed in. So it's kind of like uh, a dichotomy in a way, like best of both worlds. And that's what I want for other people, like own yourself and it's going to be fun. So my last day in work should be November 1st. My contract ends December 12th. They're so short staffed. I honestly question if they're going to kick me out on November 1st. I doubt they'll renew me for another contract if I don't have the thing, but will they, will they ask me to leave November 1st? I'm prepared for that either way. Mm. So I'm thinking if it is November 1st, my very first episode is going to be exactly why mm. I'm leaving the hospital in more detail. Just I'll have nothing to hold back on once I know I'm out of there for good, you know? Yeah. So it's going to be juicy. I can't wait. Ah. So I'm thinking November, December. I love it. I cannot wait. I'm so glad that we're, we're going to be able to share that. Um, we'll put that in the notes so people can keep their eyes peeled. And, and just with that, you know, shining your light as, as bright as you can, you being you, of course, and, and in general, like identifying your light, finding your light and, and shining bright. And you, and you are using your platform to shine your light on as many people as possible. And, you know, there was a thought I had earlier based on something we were talking about. I think it was, you basically said that you, you were willing to go back to work so that you could learn firsthand and educate your first yourself firsthand, what was really going on in the hospitals. And what came up for me is, is allowing yourself to educate yourself. So many people 
this is where I think it all starts personally. We're afraid to feel bad. We're afraid to feel shame. We're afraid to feel guilt for not doing what, you know, is the right thing or the best thing. And, and so we don't even allow ourselves to be educated because if we're educated, then we know, then we feel like we have to do something about it. So props to you for being willing to challenge yourself and go into the hospital um, where you feel like in some ways your light is a little is dimmed and and maybe you can't um, shine as bright as you can on your own. And so wrapping it all to say that when you do have your podcast and when you do bring people on to tell their stories, it's also going to be an amazing opportunity to um, gently kind of educate people on what's going on. And, uh, anyway, I just wanted to say all that. Not really, don't really have a question there. Do you have something? Yeah, I'm curious. And this is kind of, um, back to, back to medicine. I have a couple of good friends that have gone through med school in med school, DO school and stuff. Um, and it's not, a lot of people don't know about functional medicine practitioners or naturopaths. Um, so I'm just curious for you, like, when you're looking for somebody to work with like that, what are you looking into? You, you mentioned that you you work with a med- medical intuitive, which just the term in general really interests me. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, how you might find, how anybody might find somebody that's actually trustworthy to work with like that. Yeah. So muscle testing was something I first heard about. What? We're giving you thumbs oh. up. We like that. Oh, okay. I'm super into it. <laughs> yeah. So I first heard about it. And like I said, I was spiritually dead. I, if I didn't see it in front of me, I just didn't believe it. So I dated this guy in college. His dad was a chiropractor and they were like, yeah, I can muscle test through the phone. I'm like, he's full of shit. Like I just didn't believe him. <laughs> and I went to see his business partner and she was like massaging my liver with this like vibrator. And I had to wear these green colored glasses. And I'm like, can you just explain to me why we're doing this stuff? And she, you know, she didn't have the time to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, this is hokey pokey. And I just left it alone. But then um, I started working with a Chinese medicine doctor who did a hair mineral analysis for me. And he referred me to this woman. So word of mouth is how I found this person. And she is a clairvoyant. She also does muscle testing. And I still struggled with it. I'm like, yeah, I know, but aren't you just pushing on my arm harder? Like, I just, I really didn't believe it. (laughs) I'm so stubborn. And then enough times what she said was going on was verified by the blood work, verified by the blood work, verified by the blood work. And I'm like, okay, well, do I need to just keep doing blood work? And these things, it was just so amazing. I don't know how people tap into that. Um, I really hope that I can learn more about it one day, but it's pretty amazing. There's, there's definitely books on it. And my, uh, my holistic coach teacher uses it in all of our seminars and stuff mm-hmm. and the stuff that yeah, I mean it's it's wild, and I'm not there at all. But uh, David Hawkins as well. If you're into his mm-hmm. his books at all, he talks about it and uses it in that. And it's those things that inspire me about um, God or spirituality in general. It's it's just too too crazy to not believe in something bigger when when you see or experience something like that. But I was really against the phrase God. Like it still yeah. felt too religious to me. So I, universe felt like yeah like an energy. I resonated with that a little bit more, um, Mm -hmm. than anything too religious. Yeah. I'm with you on that as well. I love where that conversation just went because we were talking about like education and tools in the tool belt. And then we brought up, you brought up, um, the muscle testing, which is something that Tyler's familiar with. I'm also still on the skeptic uh, spectrum. Um, and we have a garage door opening. That is the nature of Tyler and I traveling the world and being everywhere. Okay, that's okay. But actually, I'm looking at time, and I want to be respectful of that. But we do have a final question that we like to ask you. Um, so we kind of we ask everyone this. So I'm curious to see um, what you'll say. So 
what is your most inspiring, what is it the most inspiring journey that you've been on? And you can kind of take that in whatever direction sits. Well, I would say in, okay, so I'm so focused on the physical and the degrees and all that stuff, but I was always hoping that one day I'd feel good enough. And I went to this event in 2019, Angie Lee, I don't know if you guys follow her, her name on Instagram is Angie Lee show, but she had all these amazing women and speakers and they were talking about being brave and like overcoming fear. And like, I was holding myself back so much, not because I wasn't capable, but I was so afraid of rejection. And I just think that when I heard enough of these people who were on stage, like, I don't care what somebody who, you know, if you're not, if you're not an entrepreneur, I'm probably not going to value your opinion too much. So these people who were doing what I wanted were leading by example. And they're like, yeah, I didn't have anybody show up to my first thing. I still kept going. Like it just inspired me so much to be like, you mean like you see their success and you don't see this, the steps it took to get there. So when I heard these women really share about that, I'm like, all right, I am where I'm supposed to be. And it, it felt like it was never good enough. So that was one. And then the other is I went to the truth about cancer. This was all in the same month. So I went to the truth about cancer, Angie Lee show and Tony Robbins in a month. Oh, so yeah. So I went to all three of those and it was so amazing, but the truth about cancer was so inspiring because I saw these people who were like 50 or 60 overcame cancer. A lot of them didn't use chemo or radiation and they were glowing, thriving, having sex, like doing all this stuff, not like at the conference, but you know, they were (laughs) living a quality of life. That's very different than the 60 year olds I'm seeing in the hospital. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want to be like when I'm older, teach me your ways. And I just, everything that they were saying I learned in school is quackery or pseudoscience. And I'm like, I was so inspired by these people and their results. So yeah, seeing other people who have, who are leading by example, that's what inspires me. That's why I want to tell stories. That's why I want to show people like, you know, different paths. It really, yeah, it shows like you're just beaming over there. And I wish everybody could see your faces where, as we're talking, because it really, it really shows. And I'm excited to continue seeing it for you. Yeah. Thanks guys. It's, you know, an exciting time to be alive. And sometimes I'm just going to be real with you. I don't know if I would leave if this mandate wasn't happening, you know, it's cushy money. It's easy. Um, I'm not the most fulfilled, but this is making me uncomfortable. It could, I guess, be a rock bottom or I'm choosing to look at it as the beginning of like my potential is just going to soar because I'm in this environment where I have to dim my light. So when I can fully turn that on and it's celebrated, like this is actually very exciting. I'm not scared anymore. I'm not even filing an exemption because I don't want to fight to stay somewhere and have them validate my religious beliefs when I am like, no, what's waiting for me is even better. So yeah, this is like such an exciting time. It can be hard to surrender to the universe, giving you that option. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's helpful because my partner is so supportive and I know that I, I have that. And I didn't even grow up with like a stable parent situation. So I've never, I've always been very independent and it's hard for me to rely on somebody else, but it's also beautiful because we can't do it alone. And it was, you know, the whole, everything, the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And when we can support each other, it's beautiful. And he Mm. makes that a lot easier, but the goal is also for me to thrive independently because, um, you know, we want, that's what I want. I don't want to rely on someone, but it's nice to know I have that support and it makes the transition a lot easier. Totally. Absolutely. And, and just like as a final kind of capping word for, for us and for the listeners, I think is to allow your heart to be open to the signs that the universe is sending you 
And, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm witnessing and listening to so many people's stories that from the last year and a half, two years of everything going on, that um, the universe, universe is really kicking people in the butt and saying like, hey, you've had this thing you want to do and you're, you're afraid of doing it. Well, boom, like you ain't got no choice now. Um, and to, to ride that roller coaster and to, and to like we talked about earlier, be truthful with your why, understand your purpose and, and allow that to be your guiding light when the universe shows you signs, roll with it. Um, so is there any last words, anything else that you feel like we didn't talk about that you wanna make sure is very clear with your message and where are ways that people can find you and work with you? My message is just that I want to live in a world where we have diversity, where people can be who they are, we're respectful of each other, despite our differences. And that, you know, my way isn't the only way. And if we can have compassion and curiosity about why someone's living differently without trying to control or change them, then maybe it will not feel so scary because I think a lot of people are afraid that if someone else does something differently, they're trying to change us. And it's like, no, let's just put our swords down and learn to love and accept each other. Uh, I'm very opinionated. I do a lot of weird stuff, but I, I just don't believe <laughs> anything should be mandatory. And I do believe that we are born free. The constitution doesn't give us our rights. They come from God. And so that's just a, a reminder. But once everyone steps into their power, and remembers that they are a free being and we live in harmony with nature. I mean, this world's going to be awesome. I hope that we get there in this lifetime. I think we will. And where you can find me, Ashley Taylor wellness on Instagram, on telegram, TikTok, but I'm not on there quite as much. And, uh, yeah, I'll be starting the high maintenance hippie podcast soon sometime this winter. I can't wait. So, yeah. Amazing. So much amazingness, really sending so much gratitude to you. Wish I could hug you all, hug you virtually. Um, thank you so much for spending your afternoon uh, with us. Really, really appreciate it. Cannot wait to share your message with our people and to help you shine your light even further. Is there anything you want to say, Tyler? Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And maybe, you know, when I have my podcast, I can have you guys on because I love oh. to hear other people's stories and journeys. And it sounds like, you know, you're doing amazing things. I don't know much about uh, your background, Ashley, but I'd love to share. And you guys are both, you know, paving a new path, literally, and uh, <laughs> going on this adventure. And I'm just so grateful to have met you. Yeah, yeah, we would be honored to talk with you further. And um, we'll come visit you in Arizona, yeah, by the way. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be passing through this winter. Okay. I would love that. Please let me know. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thanks guys.